0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast. I am your host for this episode, the Young Buck and New York. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to us each and every week. We really appreciate it, whether it's on YouTube.com, uh, BodySlam.net's YouTube channel, whether you're listening to us on a traditional audio uh, format, whether you're listening to us on Sportswire with Tom and all the, the gang over there. We really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to us each and every week unfortunately i am going solo again today um we had some scheduling conflicts and some errors this week that we just couldn't get past and so um i'm riding solo this week unfortunately that chris will have to ride solo next week to um preview SummerSlam. maybe i'll there'll be a little audio clip from me um in there as well as there's going to be an audio clip from chris in this video as well so you'll you'll get to hear from both of us over the next two weeks but for the majority of this episode, I am writing solo for this, um, and we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of things that we're going to dive into and we're going to talk about, and I'd love to get your thoughts. I'd love to hear what you have to say, so make sure you hit up our social media. You can follow uh, me on Twitter at Andy underscore PBWP. You can follow the uh, Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast at PBW Podcast. Um, and you can follow all of us there uh, on Twitter and on social media. Make sure you do that. Interact with us. Let us know if you're liking what we're talking about. Let us know if you have any thoughts about the things that we say. If you have any agreements or disagreements, we'd love to have um, Discord and talk back and forth about those things. Um, And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to you about PBWF. Week 5 just dropped on Monday, and I'm telling you, we are having a blast doing that. Um, Unfortunately, every, every episode from this point on, it's going to be audio only, so if you've been watching on YouTube, go find it on the audio version. its I promise you, you're not going to miss anything with it being on audio only. The, the imagination that you get to use while we call these spots and call the, these shows is so much fun, um, so you definitely want to go check out week five. from This past week, week six is coming up. We are moving right along towards our next two pay-per-views, um, and we're having a blast while we are doing it, so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. To dive in and to do all of that so make sure you go and check out all of that so we've got a lot to talk about and um, it's just me today so of course I don't want to ramble on for an hour because I don't think anybody wants to hear just me talk for an hour straight um, but let's start with the AEW side of things um, it was week two of fighter fest this week they also announced next week is fight for the fallen um, but this week was week two of fighter fest and uh, it was headlined by a Barbed wire everywhere. Death match between Eddie Kingston and the Painmaker, Chris Jericho, with Jericho Appreciation Society um, locked in a shark cage, kind of above the ring. It was more above the crowd uh, area over there. So, yeah, this this match was um, it was interesting. I got to tell you, I I love Eddie Kingston and these type of matches because he he is definitely a John Moxley-esque guy of, like, brutality through the roof. He's going to do whatever he can. He's going to put his body on the line for entertainment, and I really appreciate that. I love watching Jericho in these matches as well because it's 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 so different to kind of see him in these type of stipulations. Um, but I got to tell you, it was, it was a little sloppy in, in spots, and I don't think it was anybody's fault. I just think it was the way that the match was kind of going. Um there was some a lot of brutality there was a lot of brutal spots. I love the fact that there was barbed wire literally everywhere like barbed wire on the microphone. As soon as Eddie Kingston got in the ring he just grabbed it and took it straight to Chris. Um I love that aspect. It was the the brutality was absolutely there. Um the finish though, the finish was really weird. Um for me at least it was very very weird because obviously Don't try to unlock people from a cage because apparently if you try to do it in a timed motion, nobody can ever get the lock open. Ty Conti was struggling to get the lock open um, to the point where multiple guys from the Jericho Appreciation Society that could fit through were sliding through the bars and making their way out to the ring to jump um, Eddie Kingston. So they kind of telegraphed that there were going to be shenanigans involved because in the shark cage itself was Hager Garcia and 2.0. So you knew Sammy, you knew Ty Conti were not in the shark cage, but they were still there. They were still around somewhere. So you knew they were going to get involved at some point. Um, Ruby Soho was at ringside holding the key to make sure nobody got in. Well, obviously Ty comes out and uh, starts to beat up on Ruby Soho. Then Anna Jay comes out. And this is very interesting to me. And I really like that they're kind of going this direction with Anna Jay because I think she needs to go in a, in a completely different direction than, than what she's going in. Um, she comes out. And it looks like she's trying to get in between. And then she turns heel. Looks like she's joined Jericho Appreciation Society. She's aligned herself once again with Ty. And um, they get Jericho Appreciation Society out. Jericho Appreciation Society jumps in the ring, starts to beat on Kingston. Blackpool Combat Club comes out. And then out of nowhere, Sammy Guevara comes in, super kicks, um, Eddie Kingston. Jericho hits him with a Judas Effect wrapped in barbed wire, which that move looked brutal. Um, and Jericho won, which I find absolutely baffling that Jericho won. I don't understand the reasoning behind Jericho getting this win. Eddie Kingston absolutely should have won this match. Um, this should have been like the end to this feud, excuse me. This should have been like the end to this feud, um, for both of them. And I I don't understand why Kingston did not win this match, especially if he was going to stand tall at the end of the night, he should have walked away with the win. Um, especially if they, like, you could still do the angle with everybody coming in, Guevara coming in, all of that stuff. Eddie could have, have overcome those odds, picked up the win, and we move on forward. Now, maybe at, at All Out, if if Punk's not ready, maybe at All Out, we do Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley again for the AEW Interim Championship. Or maybe we do something different with Eddie Kingston kind of moving forward. But I feel like we need to move on from this feud with Jericho, this was the perfect opportunity to end it, and it seems like it's not ended at all. Um, in fact, it seems like we're kind of building towards something else, probably at All Out. Um, so I don't really know. I don't understand why Jericho got the win here, especially if Eddie Kingston was going to stand tall at the end of the night, especially if, if we're done with this feud, which at this point I don't think we are. Um, I don't understand why Eddie didn't pick up the win here. It was still a fun match. I still really enjoyed it. Like I said, the brutality was not missing at all. It was just some questionable booking at the end of having Eddie Kingston not pick up the win and move on to do something else at All Out. But from something that was really questionable and weird and kind of an off ending to something that we've been looking forward to since this happened. And Jungle Boy has officially made his return. He returned last night after uh, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus defeated the Varsity Blondes in a very quick match. Um, I love the fact that Luchasaurus did all the work. Christian comes in and gets the pin. I really enjoyed that. Jungle Boy's music hits. He comes out with the steel chair. Luchasaurus steps out of the ring and is face-to-face with Jungle Boy. And Luchasaurus turns and lets Jungle Boy in. So it looks like Luchasaurus has rejoined Jungle Boy. It looks like Jurassic Express is fine. It looked like they were just kind of playing Christian the whole time as well. Jungle Boy chasing Christian out of the ring, out of the arena. Two Jungle Boys music it was very funny to watch that. Um, I'm excited to see where this is going to go. The pop that Jungle Boy got was huge. The pop that Luchasaurus got when he moved out of the way and let Jungle Boy uh, go after him. And I love Hill Christian, and I love what they're doing with Hill Christian. I, this has to be, though, to move Jungle Boy up even further in the rings. I feel like after this feud, this has the potential to make Jungle Boy somewhat of a main event player in AEW. And I, I love that fact about that. I feel like Jungle Boy is going to be world champion at some point down the line and these are the right steps to move that forward to make sure that happens. Um, it' probably going to get Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage at all out. Um, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see what they're going to do for that. I'm excited to see kind of a sort of singles run from Jungle Boy. We've kind of seen it here and there, um, but I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Jungle Boy moving forward. Um, something from Rampage, and that has bled over into Dynamite that I absolutely got chills from watching Obviously, we have this whole feud with um, Brody King and Darby Allen, which comes to a head at Dynamite. We'll talk about that match here in a second. But on Rampage, um, after the House of Black, like after their match, Darby Allen comes out and attacks Brody King on. Like, they're on the ramp way of the stage area. Darby Allen comes out and attacks Brody King. Malachi Black is about to get involved, and Sting walks out. You have a face to face. With Malachi Black and Sting, and just the atmosphere that was there when they were just looking at each other was absolutely amazing. It was completely perfect the way they handled it. Both guys turned back into their own tunnels, and then they come running back out and face to face. What bled over into Dynamite this week because the opening match for Fighter Fest was Darby Allen versus Brody King, and the match itself was absolutely amazing. Darby Allen knows how to just throw himself around. And make a normal person look like a monster. But when he's in there with someone like Brody King, it's he's on another level of of literally just giving up his body to be thrown around. And that's exactly what happened here in this match. One of the one of the wickedest and nastiest Gonzo bombs I have ever seen in my life. He hit on Darby Allen. Brody King picked up the win. And after the match, Sting comes out. There, uh, Sting was at ringside after the match. Malachi Black and Sting kind of have a confrontation again. Malachi Black missed Sting in the face. So we may be getting something with Sting and Malachi Black. But then obviously Miro's music hit. Miro comes out. If I had to bet, I would say we're probably getting Malachi Black versus Miro at All Out, which I, I am looking forward to that. That's going to be a fantastic match. I said it last week on the podcast. I absolutely love Miro with everything in my being. So to see him kind of get this push is going to be fantastic. I really believe he's going to be a world champion sometime soon. I think Malachi Black could be right up there as well. Um, and so I feel like this is going to be a really fun match between these two, a really fun feud. Maybe Sting gets involved and maybe he doesn't. Maybe Buddy Matthews comes back and we get House of Black versus Miro, Darby Allen, and Sting. I think that would be a lot of fun. But if they just do a one on one with Sting, with, uh, Darby Allin, with Malachi Black and Miro, I am all on board for that as well. That would be absolutely fantastic. Um, and then moving on to definitely the most heartwarming part, um, which is hard to say because Jungle Boy coming back was definitely heartwarming. It it made my wife tear up when he came back. But this was definitely the heartwarming moment of Dynamite for sure. FTR comes out to a huge reaction that they absolutely deserve. FTR comes out and um, cuts a promo before Death Before Dishonor, which we will kind of run down. I'm not going to run down the entire card for that. We're going to run down some of the high spots for that or some of the, the key matches from that card um, before this Saturday. Um, but I, the promo that they cut was fantastic. Cash starts talking about how he loves the crowd reaction how they've worked so hard to get these tag titles. How they've had a pretty decent year, which I would, I think most people would agree with. They've had a really good year this year. And then Dax gets the mic. And I've, I've, I've said this multiple time on the podcast. Dax Hardwood, Dax Hardwood is my 2022 wrestler of the year so far. I Everything he has done has turned to gold. And this promo was no different. He, he talked about how his daughter um, at five years old had a hole in the bottom of her heart. And um, she either had to have open heart surgery, which is very dangerous for a child of that age. Or she had to just kind of let it grow on its own, but she had to fight for that. Um, and at eight years old, he she went back to the doctor and the hole completely filled up. And she Dax even said she worked really hard and she fought and she did that. <clears throat> and that kind of gives him the encouragement and saying, well, if my eight year old daughter can fight, I'm going to fight for everything I've got. And then I, the, the line of the night, maybe the line of the entire year. As he said, Briscoe's at death before dishonor. I'm going to fight like an eight-year-old girl. And that really, like, I just got chills kind of saying it because of the backstory and the moment. It was absolutely perfect. Everything about it. I FTR, to me, is the best tag team in the world right now. I think there's a very good argument for them to be the best tag team of all time. But in this moment right now, they're the best tag team in the world. And it's not even close. Um, And I can say that because Chris is not on the podcast with me this week. Yes, the Usos are fantastic. Yes, the Young Bucks are fantastic. I don't think there's anybody on FTR's level right now. And I think they are proving it week in and week out. I am so excited for Death Before Dishonor. I think FTR at Briscoe's 2 is going to tear the house down, Um, just like the first one did at at Supercard of Honor. I am so excited to see what they're going to do. I think they're going to pull out all the stops here. It's a two out of three falls match. I'm expecting it to go all the way to three falls. I'm expecting it to be a very lengthy match but it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be back and forth contest and so I'm looking forward to that. But let's the rest of the card is very stacked as well. But there are, there are three or two other matches besides FTR and Briscoes 2 that I'm looking forward to and they're very obvious as to why I'm looking forward to them. Um, the first one is Jay Lethal versus Samoa Joe for the TV championship. That that match just kind of tells itself. Um, Samoa Joe is is one of my favorites. He hasn't been on TV for a while. I think he's got a lot of health issues or a lot of injuries that he is kind of trying to rehabilitate. Um, and he's kind of at the point now where he doesn't need to be on TV all the time for his own safety, for his own health. Um, so that part is that I understand. And Jay Lethal has done a fantastic job of building up this feud himself, building up this match himself um, for Death Before Dishonor. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then obviously for the Ring of Honor World Championship, Jonathan Gresham versus Claudio Castagnoli. I, that match is amazing. When, when Claudio came out on Rampage to confront him, immediately I was sold on having this match and sold on this feud and sold on just buying this pay-per-view at this point because of that match, because of the FTR Briscoes, but this really put it over the top for me. I think it's going to be fantastic. I don't know if Claudio gets the win. I think it's a really good opponent for Jonathan Gresham. It'd be hard for me, though, to say Claudio's going to lose this quickly. Um, but it's Ring of Honor It's not necessarily AEW So I think that there's a difference there But I am really looking forward to seeing What they're going to do there um, And how they're going to play that out for sure um, It's going to be a lot of fun to do that And th- that's it for AEW There's not a whole lot of AEW stuff this week um, I'm sure if Chris was on the podcast with me, There'd be a lot more discord And a lot of a lot more conversation um, But that's kind of that's it for AEW this week Let's move on to WWE But before we do that If you are new here to the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast We once again appreciate you Uh, joining in and listening to us if this is your first time i'm normally not the host i'm normally not doing this by myself Uh, chris belcher is normally with me so i definitely go check out some of our older episodes to uh to check that out to check us out for sure um he'll be back with us next week as we preview Summerslam. but yeah if you're new to the if you're new to the channel make sure you hit that subscribe button leave that five-star review all of that fun stuff as well All right, before we move on in this episode of the podcast, Chris actually sent a video clip of himself kind of talking about some of the major things that happened in this week in wrestling. So uh, let's hand it over to Chris and hear his thoughts, and then we will be right back.
1: What is up, everybody? It is Chris from the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast. I'm sorry I could not be on the show at our regularly scheduled recorded time today. Had a couple of things come up, but I did want to come on here and give you just a couple of my quick thoughts on the things that happened this week in the wrestling business. Obviously, I want to start with Ric Flair's last match. We finally get the big announcement of who is going to be involved. We saw uh, rumors for weeks that it was going to be Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. It was going to be FTR. Ricky Morton was rumored for a while. Rock and Roll Express, all that kind of stuff. We finally get confirmation that it's going to be Ric Flair teaming up with his son-in-law. Andrade, no, not Conrad, although that would have been hilarious. and I would have paid to see that for sure. no, it's going to be Rick Flair and Andrade taking on the team of Jay Lethal and Double J Jeff Jarrett. Now, I think we all assume that Jay Lethal would somehow be involved. Of course, we've seen training videos of Flair and Lethal in the ring and apparently they're a lot closer together as friends than we all probably realized so not surprising to see jay lethal's involvement when you think about it too if you're looking at a tag match or a six man or whatever andrade's involvement is not that surprising either uh he hasn't been rumored he hasn't been uh nothing had come out previously but it's again not surprising that he is involved he's not been heavily involved in aew as far as i'm aware i don't really pay attention to Rampage and Dark. So he could have been on there, and I'm just not aware of it. But we got Andrade's involvement here. The big one that's surprising a little bit, though, is Jeff Jarrett. I mean, Jeff Jarrett is heavily connected to the match. Um, If you've listened to Jeff Jarrett's My World podcast this week, you know that Jarrett obviously was a big orchestrator in the uh, press conference and in getting the building and the hookups and all that kind of stuff. Now, I know shocker to everybody, K Fabe, um, the podcast this week with Jeff and Conrad is very uh, um, painting the light that Jeff has just been playing everybody all along, and he's playing up the character, and he's playing up the match, and yada, yada, yada. I don't know how all that's going to play out afterwards, and how they're going to get back to their regularly scheduled podcast or whatever. Maybe Jeff shakes, Flair, shakes Flair's hand at the end of the match, and then we all bygones be bygones, whatever, but We saw on the podcast this week, Jeff really exaggerated the fact that he hooked Conrad up with all this stuff. Well, I do believe that Jeff played a big part in it because Jeff does have the Nashville connection. He's lived here his whole life and that kind of thing. So, all that to say, you knew Jeff was going to be involved in the promoting of the show, but with his new gig at WWE, and that's not the special referee that we're going to talk about here in a minute, but his behind-the-scenes role. He's the senior vice president of live events. So you wouldn't necessarily think that he'd be able to do this match. To me, that says he committed to this match a long time ago and that he was going to be involved from the beginning. It just so happened that the WWE came calling and it all worked out. They let him fulfill his prior commitments with StarCast and with this. So that tells me he was involved a long time ago which is really cool. I dig that. If you're listening to the pipe bomb wrestling federation, our fantasy booking episodes on Monday, you know that Jeff Jarrett is heavily involved in the revolution brand. I'm not going to spoil what that looks like. I want you to go back and check it out, but Jeff Jarrett's heavily involved. All that to say, I'm a Jeff Jarrett fan. So I I was a little taken aback that he was put into this, but when I started adding things up, it made a lot more sense that he would be involved. So, that's the match, Nashville Municipal Auditorium, the day after SummerSlam. Ric Flair and Andrade teaming up against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. While the match is intriguing, the documentaries that have been put together on RicFlair'sLastMatch.com has been very interesting. I'm still uneasy about Flair getting in the ring with his pacemaker at 73 years old and and that kind of thing. Man, I'm, I'm still leery about that, but we'll just have to see how it turns out. I'll be watching. Um, I think we're going to get the um, the fight stream there, so I'll, I'll be watching, won't be in attendance, but we'll be watching and we'll, of course, we'll recap it on the podcast, speaking of Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett's been all over the news this week, it's been crazy, like, I don't think Jeff Jarrett's been this much in the news since, like, 95, or 99 when he jumped back to WCW the night after dropping the title to China and Unforgiven, uh, yeah, Unforgiven, but anyway, Jeff Jarrett is announced as the special guest referee for the tag match at SummerSlam between the Usos and the Street Profits for the WWE Undisputed Tag Team Championship. Seems very random. Obviously, it's in Nashville, so he's trying to sell some tickets, get get the locals to come up and see Jeff. It's really cool. I met, We mentioned on the podcast last week, Andy called it. He said, you know, I think it's going to be Jeff Jarrett. Makes a lot of sense. I just wonder what his involvement is going to be aside from a special guest referee, because as you know, in the world of wrestling, anytime you have a special guest referee, things are going to happen and it's not going to get called down the middle. I'm not saying Jeff's going to screw anybody. Things always happen. So I'm anxious to see what role Jeff is going to play, how all that's going to shake out. And if it means anything for the future, you know, I think they could certainly use Jeff Jarrett in a part-time role in the WWE, at least for a couple of big-time matches. Dude might be 55 years old, but he's still got a lot left in the tank. I think we're going to see him wrestle again on 31st. We saw him with GCW. I know that was a a hardcore match against Effie, but I think he's got a lot still left to go. I'm not saying he needs a full-time run or world title run or anything like that, but I think he could be inserted into some storylines and play a big role. So Jeff Jarrett announced for SummerSlam, I haven't really been keeping up with what the comments have been online about it, uh, but I need to go back and look at that because I would like to see how the casuals feel about it, or how the diehards even really feel about it. Because I, I'll say this: I've gone on record saying I love Jeff Trent's podcast. I'm a big fan of what he's done in his career, but I do feel like I'm in the minority on that. So I would be anxious to know what a lot of other people think. Let us know what you think at PBW Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I am at Chris Belcher twenty four. Uh, I'm going to wrap up here with just a couple more brief thoughts, and then I'll throw it back to Andy, who's doing a fantastic job holding down the fort while I'm not able to be there. We saw on SmackDown, Pat McAfee kick off the show, and he did a little back and forth with Baron Corbin. And after that, McAfee introduced Liv Morgan. And can I just say, Pat McAfee would be a tremendous ring announcer. I think they could easily move him in. He could could fill in if something were to happen to Samantha Irvin or Mike Rome or something. Pat McAfee would be a great ring announcer. Like, sign the guy up, man. He was very good. I was impressed with that ring introduction for Liv Morgan. I shouldn't be surprised, but Pat McAfee just showing again that he can do it all. Speaking of him doing it all, I cannot wait, and I know Andy is stoked for his match against Happy Corbin at SummerSlam. It is certainly one of the highlights of the card. Um, We saw that... Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair are going to go at it one more time for the Raw Women's Championship. I bring this up not necessarily because of the match, but I thought it was hilarious that during the Carmella-Bianca Belair match from Raw, the way that Corey Graves was just laying into Byron Saxton. I think we talked a couple weeks ago about everybody knows that Andy hates Byron Saxton in his commentary, but we talked a couple weeks ago about how Corey could really, like, let loose and really – not in the script very outside the script very real get on to byron Saxon about things about carmella and i said i'm pretty sure and i'm paraphrasing because i don't exactly remember but that they would somehow bring this up and it would get real and Corey could actually get mad at Saxon taking shots at grave's wife now i'm not saying that's exactly what happened but it sure felt like it uh every time that saxon would open his mouth graves would just bark right back at him so that was fantastic that was a cool exchange to see on monday night raw another thing we are seeing uh the vignettes again pop up we didn't see it on raw but they released a new one on twitter they being wwe a new vignette that is supposedly um it's building up the return of edge that's what everybody seems to think um A lot of people think it's Bray Wyatt, I still think it was an outside shot that it's Bray, but it's looking more and more like Edge, especially because we saw the rumors that Edge would be showing up on Raw next week, since it's in Madison Square Garden, also Roman Reigns will be on Raw next week in Madison Square Garden, wouldn't surprise me if Brock Lesnar makes an an unannounced, easy, easy for me to say, unannounced appearance on Raw since it is Madison Square Garden, but all that to say, next week's Raw is going to be huge. I think Rock Lesnar's already been announced for SmackDown this coming week, so I think it's going to be must-see from that perspective. But Edge, it's rumored that they want him back. We said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that you could have the Edge-Balor match added to SummerSlam without any kind of build, without anything. It writes itself. All Edge has to do is show up, and they say, boom, matches on for SummerSlam. Really hope that happens because we're all going to be in the building for SummerSlam We certainly want to see Edge, uh, especially if we're not going to get AJ, which it doesn't look like we're going to get AJ. Not going to get Cody because he's hurt. Not going to get Randy because he's hurt. So give us Edge. Please give us Edge. And it doesn't look like we're going to get John Cena either. So we got to have Edge. We need another part-time star on the card to really make this feel like a big four pay-per-view. So hopefully Edge returns and hopefully we get that match coming up at SummerSlam. All right. That's going to do it for me. I didn't want to take up too much of Andy's time, but I did want to share just a couple of thoughts about Jeff Jarrett uh, and a couple of thoughts about what's going on. Can't wait to join you guys again next week where we will fully preview SummerSlam. I'll give my predictions. Andy will give his predictions, and we'll see what's shaking ahead of the biggest party of the summer live in Nashville, Tennessee. We'll catch you guys next week, and going to throw it back to Andy.
0: All right, let's move on to the WWE side of things. Um, I'm going to start with Friday night Smackdown. Smackdown for me recently has not been that stellar. Um, It's been very kind of up and down, especially last week. Smackdown was a big time disappointment. But this week we learned a lot of new things, a lot of big things for SummerSlam, both on Smackdown and on Raw, but we'll start on Smackdown first. And we learned who the special guest referee for the Usos versus Street Profits is. And from a storyline perspective, it makes zero sense, absolutely zero sense. From a business perspective, I completely understand why they have done this. Jeff Jarrett is going to be the special guest referee. Now, if you're wondering why business-wise that makes sense, is because SummerSlam is going to be in our backyard this year in Nashville, Tennessee, and Jeff Jarrett is a homegrown Nashville boy, still lives here, still does a lot of things here. And so him being the special guest referee makes complete sense from that perspective. Storyline-wise, it makes it makes zero sense. makes absolutely no sense at all, but... Um, from a business perspective, perspective I understand why. And Jeff Jarrett's going to have a busy week, uh, SummerSlam weekend because Saturday night he is a special guest referee at SummerSlam. Sunday night he is in the main event of Ric Flair's last match facing Ric Flair and a tag team match with Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett versus Ric Flair and Andrade. And that card looks like a fever dream to me. Um, it looks very exciting, but very weird at the same time. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that next week as well. <clears throat> but yeah, Jeff Jarrett's going to have a busy weekend, SummerSlam weekend. It starts right here at SummerSlam, and I'm excited for the match. I don't think Jeff Jarrett adds or takes away anything from it. I think it's just very interesting. Um, The match, I think, is going to be fantastic, especially if it's anything like the one they had at Money in the Bank. I think it's going to be fantastic, as always. Uh, Angelo Dawkins and Jimmy Uso wrestled on uh, SmackDown, the main event, and they had a very good match there as well. Um, So I'm expecting some big things from them on SummerSlam, on Saturday as well, um, because I I think they're going to absolutely tear the house down for sure. Um, SmackDown started off with a Pat McAfee promo, um, which Pat McAfee cuts a promo. I'm always going to pay attention. I'm always going to watch McAfee is one of my favorite things, if not my favorite thing in all of WWE right now. Um, I love everything he does. He cuts a great promo on Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin's responses were <clears throat> very weird, very random, very odd. I, I, Corbin's not really the, the main focus for me on this feud. It's more about McAfee. Um, and then the introduction he gave to Liv Morgan was fantastic. So all the things Pat McAfee does is amazing, but this is where I, I kind of have a problem and I understand what they were, were trying to do, but I think they overdid it. And and this is where I don't understand kind of, and I'm very nervous about SummerSlam, uh, Liv Morgan wrestled Natalia um, in a match on SmackDown and Liv Morgan picked up the win. Obviously I kind of, I, I think everybody kind of figured she would pick up the win, but the week before, ronda Rousey fought Natalia and ronda absolutely annihilated Natalia. Um, like very quickly, short work, whatever. Liv Morgan, obviously, it took a lot longer for her to be to beat Natalia. And instead of just kind of leaving that fact as it is, they get uh, I believe it was Kayla Braxton, they get Kayla Braxton in the ring and she asks Liv, like, hey. You know, you didn't beat Natalia as quick as Ronda did, so you like you're gonna lose your title on Saturday on at uh, SummerSlam, right? And I, I hate when they do this. I hate the fact that they. I understand because the promo live cut made sense of her saying, "Yes, I'm, I understand. I'm the champion. I'm still the underdog." Blah blah blah, whatever. Just let that tell itself. You don't have to bury it into the ground. You don't have to keep pushing it down our throats. We understand Liv is the underdog. We understand Ronda is the powerhouse that she is. We don't need you to continue to force it down our throat. We understood and we all saw that Liv beating Natalya was was longer than Ronda beating Natalya. We all understand that. You don't have to continue to harp on it just to make Liv look weaker and smaller than Ronda. We already understand that fact because of the way that Ronda's where she comes from versus where Liv comes from in the background and all of their like, the records and everything else. We understand that. And that's what makes me nervous for SummerSlam. I really – I want to say 100% Liv's going to retain. I don't think she will at this point. I honestly think Ronda's going to win, and I hope I'm wrong. I can promise you I will be in Nissan Stadium. I will be the most upset person in that stadium if Liv loses this quickly after beating Ronda and after winning the championship. I just – I don't think they have any faith in her. I honestly only think they gave us Liv winning Money in the Bank and the championship because they gave Theory the Money in the Bank. And so they wanted this to be the happy moment. I don't think we're going to get the happy moment for much longer. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Liv holds it for a long time. She deserves it. She kind of – the title needs to have someone like this that is not a Charlotte, not a Ronda, not a Becky, not an Oscar. We need someone different to be holding the title. Liv is the perfect person for that. And we gotta continue to move forward. But after this promo on Friday, and after the way Caleb Braxton kind of handled everything, and after the way they kind of pushed this, I feel like Liv is being kind of buried. Not buried. Buried. Buried is not the right word. But she's being drugged under the mud. She's being drugged through the mud. There we go. She's being drugged through the mud to make her look smaller before Summer Maybe that's so she can get the big victory. But I, I don't really see that happening right now. And I'm very, very worried about how they are going to handle Liv Morgan at SummerSlam. But only time will tell. Maybe this week on SmackDown, something different will happen. Things will change. And we will be, you know, talking about how she live will more than likely win at SummerSlam. I don't I don't really know. But in this moment, I'm I'm very, very nervous about what's going to happen at SummerSlam. If you if you want to know how nervous I really am, you can go back and listen to last week's episode because we went on a rant um in the last, like, 30 minutes of the podcast or whatever about that fact, about the fact that SummerSlam looks very different this year than ever before. Um And I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end of this podcast as well because there, I, there's a lot of concerns for SummerSlam this year, and this, this happens to be one of those concerns. Um, but let's move on to Raw and talk about two things that I'm actually looking forward to at SummerSlam. The first one is we have officially found out Bianca Belair is defending the Raw Women's Championship against Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. I am very excited for this. I'm honestly happy that Carmella is not in this match. I think Becky versus Bianca is is the way to go. I understand we saw it at SummerSlam, we saw it at WrestleMania. There's nobody else on the roster other than Asuka that you could put in this spot and have this big of a match, this big-time match, and fill this big. I think Becky needs this match to happen. I don't think Becky's going to win. I think Bianca still picks up the win here at the end. But I'm very happy that they announced this match. Bianca and Carmella had a really good match on Raw. Um... It was really fun back and forth. Bianca picked up the win, retained the title, kind of moved Carmella off to the side. So now we get Becky and Bianca at SummerSlam. And I am really looking forward to that rematch there as well. And then it was also announced that um, something that we kind of figured was going to happen at SummerSlam, but it has officially been announced. Seth Rollins will be facing Riddle at SummerSlam. This could potentially be match of the night as well. Um, Seth Rollins is one of the best wrestlers in the world today. He's probably my favorite wrestler right now. He is absolutely on top of his game. Doesn't get the respect that he deserves from both fans and the company, I feel like. Um, And so I'm really excited to see what they're going to do. Riddle is really kind of catching their zone without Randy right now. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Seth needs to get this victory because Seth hasn't won on pay-per-view in, I feel like forever. Um, and so that that's one of the things that really to me has to happen at Summerson with Seth Rollins has to pick up the win here. He had a great match with Ezekiel again on raw, um, which to say Seth Rollins had a great match is like saying I'm breathing right now. It's just, it's that natural. It's that easy to him. Um, so I'm looking forward to that as well. And then this is where we got to kind of harp a little bit more, um, because there, there are some things that I just, I, I cannot comprehend. I do not understand. Um, well, well, We'll save those for a minute because there's one other thing I want to talk about for SummerSlam that I'm sort of looking forward to, which I I can't believe I'm actually kind of looking forward to. Logan Paul was on Raw this week for Miz TV. Um, It looks like we're – I mean, it's been officially announced we are definitely getting Logan Paul versus The Miz one-on-one at SummerSlam. Um, I know Chris wasn't a big fan of the WrestleMania match. I personally enjoyed it. I think Logan Paul looked really good um, for a celebrity wrestler. So I think, I think he's going to do that again at, at SummerSlam, especially when you put him in there with someone like The Miz who is going to protect him and make him look strong and make him look good. Um, I think this match has a lot of potential to be really good. Um, I don't think it's going to be good, as good as the Pat McAfee-Corbin match, but I think this match will be really good and surprise a lot of people as well. Um, now let's move on to the the other two topics that I really want to talk about. First, we'll talk about the 24-7 championship. I I feel like with the 24-7 championship, the same way I feel about the the women's tag team championships and that is they have done more harm it has done more harm than good um at this point i feel like the women's tag team championships i'm pretty sure are just done at this point i don't think they're coming back i don't think they need to come back i think if you want a second women's title which i'm fine with i think if you want a second women's title bring in a mid-card title for the women's division i think that'll be great let them go back and forth between both brands i think that would be great if you had a mid-card women's title Um, Because that would give people like Carmella and that would give people like uh, Nikki A.S.H. and Drop and um, Aaliyah and Lacey Evans and a couple other people something to be doing right now as well going after that mid-card title. So I I would be completely fine with that as well. But the 24-7 title is is doing more harm than good, especially in the women's division. I talked about a couple – about a month or so ago, the fact that Becky Lynch was fighting for the 24-7 title, got beat by the 24-7 champion. I, I, that does not sit well with me at all. Um, and it still doesn't sit with me. Just like the fact that, and I, I, I really wish Chris was here with me because I'd love to get his thoughts. I'm sure he will uh, give us his thoughts next week. If not, I'll make sure to ask him to the fact that Alexa bliss won it and then lost it in two seconds. I, Alexa bliss should not be anywhere near the 24 seven championship. There there are a few people, both on the men and the women's side that do not need to be around the 24 seven championship because they are, much better than twenty four seven championship. I think on the women's side, I think it's Oscar Bianca, Becky, Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha if she's still in the company, Naomi if she's still in the company, Alexa Bliss, they do not need to be anywhere near the twenty four seven championship. Um, and you had Alexa, Alexa Bliss going after the title. Alexa Bliss needs to be one of those people that you can put at the top of the card every single time, and she is not doing that. So I feel like she has not been held up as important as um she once was and i don't know if that's because of some things that have changed in the back or her perspective or just the way times have changed and she's just kind of fallen to the side in their eyes which if that's the case then that is a shame on them that is absolutely stupid on them um i don't know i just i feel like they're 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 really pushing her to the side right now and she really should be one of those that Alexa Bliss versus Bianca could be the women's match at SummerSlam and feel as big as Becky Bianca, but it wouldn't at this point because of the fact of how little they built up Alexa Bliss since she has come back from injury, since she has come back from the Lily fiasco and with the Fiend and everything else. I, I really feel like they need to be pushing her more than they actually are at this point. And someone, that they, someone else that they should be pushing that they are not pushing and he's not even on SummerSlam, and it blows my mind. And that is AJ Styles. AJ Styles should be on every single major show for WWE. He should be at WrestleMania. He should be at SummerSlam, Survivor Series, The Rumble, all of your, you know, your your Saudi Arabia shows, your your Clash at the Castle. He needs to be at, on all of those shows in big time feuds because AJ Styles is that person that is like a Seth Rollins, that is like an edge that is like John Cena that he should be. Frankly, he should be one of the faces of the company. And he is not at this point. He hasn't won on a pay-per-view since before, since WrestleMania backlash of last year, which is ridiculous that it's been that long. Um, He hasn't held a champion, a single championship in forever. Kind of like Kevin Owens. He should be him and Kevin Owens both, which I don't think Kevin Owens is on SummerSlam as well. Both of those guys should be somewhere on this card. Kevin Owens wrestled Steve Austin at at WrestleMania. AJ Styles wrestled Edge at WrestleMania, and you're telling me there's nowhere for them to be found on SummerSlam? Like, to me, that is baffling. Why are they not together? Put them in a match together. Put AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens. You're telling me nobody wants to see AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens? I mean, there were reports right now that internally – The people that have booked this show are not happy with SummerSlam. And I completely understand why, but you booked the show. Like, you could change a lot of this stuff. There is nothing really exciting about SummerSlam this year. I mean, Pat McAfee and Baron Corbin I'm excited for. Pat McAfee, though, should not be the one that I'm the most excited to see at SummerSlam. I'm excited to see Pat and Corbin. I'm excited to see Rollins and Riddle. I'm excited to see the tag match. And I'm excited to see um, Bianca versus Becky. Four out of like ten matches I'm excited to see. No one cares about Brock Roman again. Nobody wants to see that match. That feud is done and it's dead and we should be moving on from it instead of harping on it. I understand Cody got hurt and Randy got hurt and that threw a wrench in there. Put AJ Styles in this spot. Put Seth Rollins in the spot. Put Edge in this spot. I don't care if we see Edge again. Put someone else in this spot other than Brock Lesnar again because we don't need to see Brock versus Roman again. We don't need to see Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam. I'm sorry, but we don't need to see Ronda Rousey at SummerSlam. We don't need to see a lot of these things that are taking place at SummerSlam because of the fact that we have all these other people that should be on the forefront of this card, should be on the forefront of the show, and they are not. SummerSlam is very underwhelming this year. Unfortunately, it is very, the only reason why I am excited for some of these things is because I get to be in the building at Nissan Stadium next Saturday to watch it. And I'm excited for that. I'm excited to be there. But the card itself is very underwhelming. I mean, as of of recording, this could change on Monday because of some reports of the rated R superstar version of Edge coming back. We've seen those vignettes, and it's 1,000% Edge, and it's no one else. Edge could be on SummerSlam wrestling someone, and that's great. But the fact that John Cena, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, that they are not on this card is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous you need to find a spot for these guys they need to be on the forefront of this company they need to be in the forefront of these shows and they're not and it's annoying and it's so it's so sad SummerSlam SummerSlam has multiple ways it could go some that are really exciting and good and others that could potentially be like a big massive blow to WWE, if they go this way, and and I understand you want to get heat, and I understand you want to you want you don't always want to send the crowd home happy, or you don't want to have moment, you want to have moments in the show where the crowd boos because that's the point of wrestling, and I completely understand that. But there's a difference in actual heel heat and go home go away heat and X Pac heat, and I feel like if they go a couple of directions, they will absolutely get that kind of heat from the crowd, and their numbers will start to reflect it, and their numbers will start to show. Um, and so I, I, I'm just – I'm very concerned about SummerSlam this year. I will say, as of right now, if you go and look at peacock doc, uh, Peacock's website and you look at SummerSlam, and I've seen this on Twitter and I've, I've gone and checked it out myself, SummerSlam is rated TV-14 right now. So it's not your PG rating. It's TV-14, which kind of intrigues me because I think the last time or one of the last few times that it was TV-14 – At SummerSlam, I believe it was SummerSlam 2019 when The Fiend came. And they they made it 14 because of the the lantern that he came out with. Um, So, like, that gives me a lot of hope that there may be something really interesting that happens. Maybe we get some edgier stuff. Maybe we get some compelling stuff. But I'm telling you right now, SummerSlam is not looking to be exciting for me at all. It's very underwhelming. Um, It's very lackluster from the card perspective. And I understand the last couple of pay-per-views have been that way. Um, the builds have been terrible. The cards haven't been that great and the shows have overdelivered. But with a show like SummerSlam, you cannot have an underwhelming card because it just takes away so much from it. And so I feel like we really need to be there needs to be something this week on SmackDown and on Raw that really just ramps up the intensity for SummerSlam this year. Otherwise, it's, it's going to be a very big disappointment, I'm afraid. Um, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I come back here in two weeks on a post show and say that I'm wrong. That I was wrong. That Summerslam was a lot of fun. That I enjoyed it. Um, there were some great moments. There were some great matches. There were some great things that took place. But I'm I'm afraid that we are not going to get that. And I'm I'm very worried about it. And I'm very worried about Summerslam being underwhelming and being disappointing. Um, yeah. And I really would love to know your thoughts about all of that. I want to know what, if, if you are excited for SummerSlam. I want to know if you're excited for Brock Roman. Like, I wonder if I'm, I don't think I am, but I wonder if I'm one of the few people that are not excited about Brock Roman. Um, definitely shout out to us. Definitely reach out to us. Let us know. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy underscore PBWP. I would love to have these conversations with you. I'd love to talk to you about it. I'd love to figure out your thoughts and opinions on what you think of SummerSlam this year. If you're excited for the card, if you think it's overwhelming, like I said, there are, there are a few things I'm excited for. There are four matches that I'm really looking forward to. Um, and the rest could be better than anticipated. So, you know, I'm not saying that it's a complete wash at this point. I'm just saying that there are a lot of concerns for SummerSlam. And I'd love to get your thoughts and your opinions on it. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Um, tell me why you disagree. Tell me why you agree. I would love to have that Discord with you and talk to you about that as well. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. I know it's a, a somewhat of a shorter episode. Um, it's, there's, it's kind of hard to go more than an hour when you're kind of going by yourself, but you know, I, I really appreciate you guys tuning in and hanging out with me for this 40 minutes or so that I've been talking and kind of rambling about wrestling. Um, I really appreciate you guys though, tuning in and joining and listening to us each and every week, make sure you hit that subscribe button, make sure you leave that five-star review. Um, if you find your podcast anywhere, make sure you listen to all the other great shows on SportsWire um, with them as well. Make sure you definitely check them out. Um, make sure you follow us on social media. You can follow the channel at PBW Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy underscore PBWP. You can follow Chris Belcher at Chris Belcher twenty four on Twitter. Um, and we'd love to we'd love to hear from you guys and hang out with you guys and, and talk to you. Um, we're looking forward to next week. Next week, the SummerSlam um, weekend, we've got a lot of exciting things that we are, are going to be doing and planning on showing you. We've got a, a very special announcement next week that Chris is going to be making that we are excited to. Um, share with you and show with you um and so we'll, we'll be dropping a lot of new things next week and exciting things so definitely be ready for that also be looking for the uh, PBWF week six for revolution and mayhem uh, that is audio only so make sure you find that anywhere you find your podcast you can find those that show as well definitely check it out definitely listen we are heading to our next pay-per-views there's a lot of interesting and exciting things happening never know who's going to show up on each show so definitely want to check those out. But for Chris Beltrick, who cannot be here today. I am Angie Ward. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. And we will catch you guys.